Hello and welcome to episode seven of Footnotes and Fairy Tales with me, Damien Fox, the platform that hopes to showcase the people of Newry and their stories. My guest today is a lifelong MMA fighter and practitioner. He has fought on numerous promotions and won belts in many of them. He now fights under the Cage Warrior banner. He's an incredible talent. He is also the creator, owner, matchmaker, um, promoter of Euro Fighting Championship, uh, which looks to showcase local talent and give them a platform to showcase their skills. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you today, Declan McAleenan. Hey, Ducky, how are you? All good, all good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I hope the, the introduction uh, done you justice. I know that um, you've got a lot of balls up in the air and you're a busy man. Yeah, yeah, no, it did indeed. It did indeed. It's, uh, it's one of the things you have to do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I want to start, obviously, with your introduction to, to martial arts. Um, as I understood it, you started out in karate uh, and you were incredibly accomplished. Talk to me about that and who introduced you to it. Yeah, I started when I was about, I'd say I was about eight, whenever I started at karate, uh, just in the sports centre in Yerry. Uh, my uncle got me and my cousin to go to it. Um, I would have hung about with my cousin a lot whenever I was younger. And my uncle, as I said, he got the two of us started. <clears throat> well, it didn't, didn't last long. Came the summertime, I think I'd actually broke my wrist, which had put me out of training. And then with, with the summertime not coming in, sort of lost interest in it. And uh, it was only then, I think it was the following year, my dad sort of pushed to get me back in there again. So he did. Uh, he seemed to, he wasn't training with me at the start, but he seemed to enjoy the sort of whole aspect of it. And then uh, we'd sort of, the way I got back in it was he said he'll come back. He'll, not he'll come back, he'll start it if I started doing that for a while just to give us something to do together. Like, mm-hmm. So uh, he got me back into that. And then I think I started competing when I was 11. And um, just from there, just took off. So I did, like, I think the, f- the first competition I came up against, a father that was only back from the World Championship. He uh, got a bronze medal in the World Championship. And as I said, I was only training. I think at that stage, I was only training for competition about six months or eight months. And uh, near beat the father, like, it was well up on the scorecards. And then it was an experience caused me to lose the fight where, where your father's experience sort of came through. And then from that, I was sort of hooked that it was something that I wanted to do then and, and continued to do. And you competed in championships uh, as well. You travelled, I think, quite... Yeah, know, tra- to travelled the world with karate, so I did. Like, uh, my father as far away as Japan, Morocco, all around Europe. Uh, there was a stage as away nearly two or three times a month. When I was a teenager, I was away nearly two or three times a month, whether it was over in England or Scotland or Wales or somewhere in Europe. Uh, it was just constant, uh, constant just training, travel and fight, train, travel, fight. And uh, that was pretty much most of my most of my life as a teenager. Like, you know, that's that's all we've done. Uh, fought in world championships, fought in, uh, fought in Japan as well, fought in European championships, had a couple of medals from the European championships, uh, won multiple sort of national titles in Ireland, multiple international titles, sort like whether it be like the whatever country's open, the Sardinian Open, the Italian Open, you know, Slovenia, st- stuff like that there, like uh, won, won competitions over there. Uh, I think 
probably the biggest one was the Sardinian one. I think it's the first Irish fighter in 20 years or 25 years to win to win that. Uh, it was just one of the things that I, I enjoyed doing and didn't really know any different. So like it was hard. Uh, well, it wasn't hard at the time, but looking back on it, it must have been hard. It was probably hard on my parents having to finish their finish their jobs and drive me to Dublin to train. Maybe mm-hmm. five, six nights a week, like wouldn't be wouldn't be ideal. Yeah. Um and at what point did you did you become aware of um MMA? Uh, I'd say I was about seventeen or eighteen. I remember uh, I also would have had a chip on my shoulder too, uh, whenever I came to fighting thinking that I could fight. Uh, like I remember probably 15, 16, whenever I'd sort of drifted off a wee bit from karate and uh, just sort of started, not started, just got into a bit of bother and stuff. Like, John, you know, just seeing me sort of hit your teenage years, uh, the sport, I think it was probably an injury, sort of slowed down the training with karate and then started running about the boys a wee bit more and having more time to hang about with them. And uh, you get into a wee bit of bother more regularly then. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said, obviously that chip on my shoulders if I thought I could fight and, and got into bother fighting and put, done pretty well while while I was doing it, although I shouldn't have been doing it. Uh, so I, I think it was 15 or 16 and I thought it was one of them things I was just going to walk into. And uh, shots to the shade, I'll be able to do that there. And John, one of them ones, so much no one will be able to take you down. I just pushed them away and John would be stuck standing. Like, John, if you have absolutely zero cop on the water down whatsoever like yeah and then uh whenever i was 18 i was away in japan i'd sort of i tied with the idea and tied with the idea and i actually i didn't know but i knew of damien rooney from uh years and years ago he used to play basketball and so did i he would have been a lot older than me but i, I would have known of him since then like joe mm-hmm. and uh, it was it's one of them things that like i think that's what sort of knew it was in the time because of him. But uh, whenever I was 18, I went to Japan and started falling out of the love of the sport of karate. Then it was getting a wee bit too too soft. They were trying trying these new different rules and there was too many politics involved and the best fighters weren't always winning competitions. So um, at that stage, it was time to start looking at something different. And it was between boxing or MMA. Uh, and the reason I went, the reason I picked MMA was there's too many ways to finish a fight uh, that you can't actually blame a judge's decision mm-hmm. on you losing an MMA fight. So, uh, fair enough, if it goes to the decision and you're robbed, you're robbed, it's, it shouldn't have happened and whatever else. But at the end of the day, you're given 15 minutes to try and finish someone. And if you can't do that there, then it doesn't really doesn't really matter if you win, lose or draw. It's it's only someone's opinion on, on what you've done. It's not actually what happened. Now, I talked to, to Damien Rooney recently, and he had started out in taekwondo, but mm-hmm. he felt that the, he felt that there was always something missing. It, and ultimately, he was looking for full contact, whereas taekwondo only offered semi-contact. Um, so for him, the transition, I suppose, was inevitable if he wanted to make that jump, fight uh, in a competition where full contact was available. Um, you know, he had to do that. For you, was was that also an element of why you wanted to to go into either boxing or uh, mixed martial arts? That that need for full contact. Yeah, I think it's. I don't even know if it's a need for full contact. It's more, it's the need for competition and the, the need for. The need the, the need actually to fight. So like mm-hmm. it's something that's, 
that's always been there. If, uh, as I said, that time that I drifted off from from doing karate, I, I got into plenty of bother from fighting. So I think it was something I thought parents and I thought that I might have grown out of, where I've actually grown into into the sport of fighting. John, like it, it's just something there that that's in me that if I if it you have two choices, do it within a rule set or go out and be that arsehole that sits in the pub and gets himself into trouble, like, you know? So mm. uh, for me, there, there only was, really was one option, and that was to get myself into something that keeps me keeps me fully focused and keeps me right, you know, that sort of way. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always tried to understand the fighter's mentality because I think they're wired different to most people. Like, for you, I think fighting and MMA is, is an outlet for you to channel certain energy where myself and others perhaps find it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so I've always tried to understand the fighter and the need to want to fight. Um, so it, it's interesting. Um, Damien Ernie, you mentioned him. I mean, along with Damien, there's Sebastian Torres, there's Sean Smith. I know that you train um, along with Tony Hughes and stuff. How important have they been um, to your development as a, as a fighter? And I suppose a byproduct of that is as a person. Yeah, like I'd say the last maybe 11 or 12 years of my life have been massively shaped by by them, by them people that you mentioned. Like, you know, uh, every one of them have has been there for me when I was, didn't work, didn't didn't do anything, just trained full time. Uh, and every one of them sort of has, has my back and has had my back the, the whole way through it, you know. So uh, whether it was them taking me for PTs, and not charging me or the boys let me use the gym uh, just so that I could fully focus on, as I said, signing on that, signing on the dole that I was available to train all day, every day. And I know there's a lot of, a lot of people these days say that they, they don't like, oh, I train every day and I do this and I do that. Back back then it was stupid what I was doing, the, the, the amount of training that, uh, that I put in because I just like fully sort of, fully talk on every aspect of it like you know where it might have been going in the morning and doing Damien's weight training with him and then maybe doing a jiu-jitsu class with Sebastian staying on after to, to be an extra body for him to take a PT so that he you know, like, he could coach the other person and, and I would what I was thinking is if I ain't getting thrown about the place or I ain't getting these submissions done on me and he's teaching him I'm going to be learning here as well so I was literally there the whole time like you know uh, same as Tony taking me for, for the boxing. Like so, whenever I needed Tony, he was there for me. And uh, Sean Smith, whether it was tie boxing, uh, whether it was just pads, whether he was wrapping my hands before training because I had injuries, uh, massaging my neck, my shoulders, sticking needles in me. The boys are, like literally you couldn't ask for a better grip behind you. That's something I've noticed. I mean, I've been aware of the compound gym and trained in it very little <laughs> if I'm honest but it's very much a family you know the bonds that you guys have with each other and it extends beyond the gym um, is that part of what keeps you involved in the sport besides obviously you know the training and the fighting is that camaraderie yeah like uh, everyone in the gym now like the connection that me and Damien have is as Damien has like a he was like the head fighter, the the one that sort of took me under his wing, the fellow that I looked up to when he was fighting, 
uh, and whatever else I was in and used at the very start of my career, I was used for uh, different wee bits of training, just trying to help Demo out. Like I mightn't have been, I wouldn't have been exactly what he needed uh, skill-wise because of uh, like the, the, the short length of time I was in as he was training for like higher level pro fights. But I was a body that was there that if he needed to drill something, he had me there to drill. If he needed to work on something, he had me there as a body. Uh, and like that's for me now the new sort of the new wave of fighters coming up below me that's what I want to like sort of have for them is they have someone to look up to that's actively fighting still as in myself and then but also that if they need something that if they don't like I'm, I'm not none of us are better than anyone else so that if I'm not above anyone in that gym, so as long as I can get a body for a round, I'll do a round with anyone, whether it be one of the kids that's only maybe 10 or 11 years old that are down and think it's great because they get the spar, John, like the older ones, or whether mm-hmm. it's like an up-and-coming amateur, John, like maybe like Shea Cleland or Oshin Fox or Michael Cartmill or Rory Lavery or something like that. John, so there's no one, no one's better than anyone. John, like everyone sort of, you have to, you have to have time for everyone in that place, and if you don't, you don't really fit in there, and don't like you'll not last there too long. Yeah. Now, when I talked to Damien, uh, we kind of talked about the lengths to which fighters go to, I guess, uh, improve their skill set. You know, the willingness to travel abroad and, and you know go outside your comfort zone to, I guess, enhance you know your your skill set. Yeah, Damien went at an early stage to to Thailand. You know. Um, I know that you've also traveled further afield um, to improve yourself. Um, you've gone to California and you've trained, I think, in Uriah Faber's gym. Mm-hmm. I have indeed, uh, yeah. And you've done that a couple of times, I think. Yeah, but I, uh, I don't even know how many times now, probably six, seven, maybe, maybe more. And talk to me about that experience. Um, you know, how important was it for you to travel outside? You, you know your your immediate comfort zone um, to to train with elite level fighters. Uh, it's something that you need to do. It definitely is because looking at these boys on TV, you like they, they look like fucking superheroes. Sort of do like you know, the stuff they can do. What what they're able to do at such a big stage and whatever else. But then whenever you actually get to see them in person, be around them in person, see what they're like, and then you're kind of going like. They're not, they're like everyone, as everyone says, they have two arms and two legs. They're no, no, no better than me, no worse than me. Uh, obviously, you've got some of the best in the world in uh, Team Alpha Male. Uh, and they're just further further down the path than you. But uh, like the first time first time I went over, you're a favourite all the time in the world for me. Do you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the second time or third time I went back, I took my, my nephew with me, who was, uh, no, I'm sorry, my nephew, my cousin, who was only like maybe 11, 12 at the time, but was doing real well in Thai boxing. And uh, like we landed in on, the, I'd usually travel over on the Thursday or Friday, get one session in the Friday, one session Saturday, and then rest the weekend. And that sort of, John would break the jet lag and that. And the first training session with my cousin, Ethan, uh, Andre Feely and Uriah Faber both went out of their way they weren't training to take him up into the boxing ring and do rounds with him do you know like and that, that's sort of like 
as what I was saying, what Damien done for me is what I'm trying to do for the younger ones in our club. It goes right to the highest level of the sport. Like, John, you know, at this stage, Faber was competing full time and, and whatever else. I think he was actually just off the McGregor and Faber Ultimate Fighter. Might have been in around that time. John, you know, so he was still fully, he wasn't just a coach and he had the time to do that. So it's it's good to see what, what, what gets them going, what way they think about it and uh, what training they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. And you feel, I mean, was it clear when you come back from, from those, you know, um, training camps or whatever, that you had significantly improved your skill set? Yeah, it was It was one of them things. It was getting away from maybe the, for the guts of like 20 to 24 days of just solid training where the only thing you have to focus on is trying to eat, sleep, train. You know, you're doing, I was doing, I know firsthand I was doing a stupid amount of training, uh, just trying to make the most of it. And uh, everything was everything was on point. Well, the first time I went away, the dad wasn't great and whatever else. But every time after that, uh, as I said, favourite sort of took me under his wing. All the meals and everything were like all, uh, all given to me, like from that trifecta meal plan thing. So that he would give you all the food. So like, everything was there and was sorted for me that literally all I had to do was show up and give a hundred percent, you know, mm-hmm. and from it's good over here. Like my job is as, as a PT is to fit in round my training, but it's a different story whenever you can actually go and don't do a training session, go home, lie down for, get something to eat, lie down for an hour and think about what you've done and then get up and go again to the next training session compared to doing like, Oh, shit, I, if I had to finish up here in five minutes to get charred quick to go and take a PT that 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 was one of the biggest biggest differences for me was it was just the sheer volume of training and uh, getting to mix it with some of the best fighters in the world obviously is only going to make you better as well Do you think um, when you're in a position to devote your entire time to, to training, rest, recovery and you don't have the added burden of a job, do you think those things can make the difference in whether you reach a certain level or not? It depends. It depends what way you treat yourself and what way you look after yourself. If you're going to be like the constant professional, then no, it doesn't. Doesn't your job doesn't make a difference? If okay. you're going to use your job as an excuse where you say, "No, well, I have to work," but really you're going and say meeting the boys on a Friday night for a couple of pints after we game of football and butcher it's not major because you're only doing five or six pints and then mm. going on and then you're staying up to two o'clock playing the computer and you're not getting up for the next class then yes that is a that's a massive problem but like if you during my fight camps now I, I work not full time but uh, I work sort of big hours and uh, for what I'm doing and uh it doesn't affect me because I know if, if I if I start at whatever time, I know what time I have to be in bed, I know what time I'm getting up at, I know what nothing's left to chance. Do you know, like, so and that's something that I got from Demo, do you know, like, keeping uh, keeping everything intact that if as long as I'm on top of everything, it doesn't matter if I'm working or not. Yes, it would be ideal to roll in the bed, like to train as if we were training in COVID whenever there was only I'd sort of Compared training and COVID, 
whenever we were only allowed a select fight team to train together because I was fighting over on Cage Warriors you know, throughout the pandemic. Mm-hmm. That was very like training, training them. You know, we're like, get up, you go training, you rest, you eat, look after the child for a wee while, play about with her, back in training again, good hard sessions. But uh, other than that, like it's, look, we all have to make a living. Yes, I'd love to just fight and do whatever else, but that's not going to pay the bills. So uh, you could be working. I know boys that work on building sites and fights and fight still. So like they, they have it tough. Uh, I, I don't like. Yeah. Oh, bring me back to the first, um, I guess, whether it be your first amateur fight or first professional fight. Talk to me about how you felt going in. What were your expectations? Were you nervous? Um, uh, or, or did you feel like, you know, I'm, re- I'm born for this? My first amateur fight felt like uh, you were going into the unknown. You know, like social media wasn't really a thing 11, 12 years ago. Uh, <coughs> I know it was, obviously, but I had seen uh, <clears throat> the, day, the night before weigh-ins, the poster for the show only was released. So, like, there was no fight poster. There was no, there was no nothing. I didn't know who I was fighting. I couldn't tell you what he looked like running and then the poster was released and uh, I remember looking at the poster knowing one or two people on it and then thinking right these two or three people here look about my size so it'll be one of these boys that I'm fighting not John so it was only until we got to the venue that I actually oh that's the fella there that you're fighting so it was like but that's then again that's that's what has sort of ruined the sport is kind of like are you free to fight on the 25th yeah yeah it doesn't matter who you're fighting now you've said you're free to fight mm-hmm. you know, like, nowadays it's very people like to pick an awful lot so i was sort of as i said going into the unknown didn't know anything about the opponent didn't didn't really care either uh the warm-up the show that i was fighting on wasn't wasn't great i think the overall warm-up took about three and a half four hours where it was like you're going there in 15 minutes others oh, are break no you're 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 after this fight then that was pushed back for an hour, 45 minutes. And then it was like, Johnny, the cord was constantly being jigged about and everything. So uh, it worked out then that uh, the warm up was forever. But I would, I loved it because I was getting ready for a fight. As I said, it didn't, rules go out the window at that stage. Everything was just like, oh shit, what did I sign up for here? Like, And then uh, I remember just thinking to myself, as soon as the referee says go, go for him just try and chin him, don't take it as a straight fight, and he shot for a takedown and submitted him, you know, so it was literally like, the worst part of that fight was the adrenaline dump, after I I properly prepared to get mm-hmm. my head carried off, like John get stuck in that proper scrap, I think it was like 15 seconds or whatever, it was under 20 seconds anyway, and I choked him, I don't even think I got to hit him a dig, <laughs> you know, and then that was it all over, so that was... It was good, like I, I, as I said, I did enjoy it. Um, I'd never, I'd only ever been to one MMA show before that, and that was, uh, it was the matchmaking on it was horrendous. The first fight, the fella was knocked out, like out cold for like five minutes in the cage, and we were sort of going like, ah, oh, bollocks, what did I sign up for? And, and what, then, what, what do your parents think at this time when you said this? I want to try this because at that time, I suppose in MMA's infancy. There was nothing. No, it was kind of tarnished with a certain stigma, yeah. you know, or it had a certain stigma that, you know, it's barbaric, you know, it's, 
incredibly dangerous. You know, were your parents, I mean, obviously to an extent they're going to be anxious regardless, but were they supportive off the bat or was there, you know, a little anxiety there? Yeah, the, the, the were, you can't say they were over the moon with me doing it, yeah. uh, but I'd be sort of stubborn and headstrong. So like they would never tell me not to do something. John, like, yes, if it, if it wasn't their first choice, they, they wouldn't, John, like, my dad, I don't think, was too, wouldn't have been too happy about it. He never never said to me that I don't want you doing this, but John was a bit sort of standoffish, obviously. Uh, my mum, she she didn't really, she never really said anything. She didn't think it was great, like, John, because I was coming home. I'd only started jiu-jitsu. You're coming home constantly with like don't black eyes scuffed yeah. on, scuffs on your face don't like different key burns your face is always marked up whatever else so they weren't they weren't sort of over the moon with it but i think i was only training started training around september time and quit my job in december to train full time and, and give it a go so they never once said no and uh, the first i'd say my first amateur fight has been the only fight bar the COVID ones that uh, my mum didn't go to. And uh, every time after that, I said, she never, I don't think she's ever watched the fight when she's been there. Like, you know, she's been doing other things, but she was there. Uh, same as what I said, like, my wife now, who's only my girlfriend back then, was like, you'd rather be there. By the time a message gets home, if something ever does happen, by the time the message gets home, it's 10 times worse. Yeah. Basically, you get hurt, you get hurt. You know, like, you can see me stand up and walk out of the cage, whereas, if something happens, something bad happens, and one person leaves the room to go and ring you, the last thing they've seen is you're lying face down or you're badly cut up, and people don't people panic. So I just the way they look at it is, uh, they'd rather be there with me. And then, how towards when I, after I quit my job and the scene, the the effort that I was putting in, to realise that it wasn't, it doesn't go with all the stigma, and it it, it isn't what people say it is like the amount of work that has went in that were like there was one weekend in particular i think i'd done a jiu-jitsu competition won a won a dublin open or something in jiu-jitsu uh, got two bronze medals in the european championships in karate the following weekend won an mma fight the next weekend in armagh so it like fought jiu-jitsu in dublin fought in fought in uh, Spain, no not Spain I fought somewhere in Europe for the European Championship, it was Portugal sorry I fought in Portugal, fought in RMR then an MMA fight and then on the Tuesday morning flew out to Paris to fight in the World Championships so like I turned my, turned my life into like a full time athlete mm-hmm. uh, and they couldn't yes they mightn't agreed with the sport but what it was actually doing for me and how, you know, like how much I'd put into it, they couldn't couldn't help but get behind me you've had incredible support from from the get-go you know obviously your partner and your wife now um your parents you know your friends and then the wider community have always gotten behind you it, it, in many ways the same way they did with Damien Rooney before you what do you attribute that what do you attribute that to uh just like people are quick to quick to give people shit from the town like John no one's out to support this one and everyone in the town, no one wants to see you do well and stuff. But see, like, if you put your head down, work hard and just actually, you know, like, don't know, don't be, 
don't be a dick, like you know, the the sort you know, the, the 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 stand up and and the do support you, like you know, if you just don't put on a front or don't put anything, if you just genuinely be yourself mm-hmm. and um, enjoy what you're doing, people can't help but to support you, like. I mean, I've been to some of your fights, some amateur and certainly at least one of your professional fights. And I think it would be fair to say that the loudest section support would always always be your fans. They can be heard amongst or above all else. And it's remarkable to see they're, they're willing to travel, um, you know, whether it be in Ireland or further afield to the UK. And I think that's a testament to you because you are affable, very likable. You're not arrogant in any way. You know, you're, you show humility, you're humble. You obviously have confidence in your ability, but that does never come across as arrogant. And, and I think that in many ways is why people like you and, and follow you and support you, um, which isn't a surprise. Um, so I want to talk then about Cage Warriors. You know, you fought under that banner now for some time. And I think in particular during COVID, you know, I, I, I seen you fight on BT Sports. And more recently, you've just had a win in Dublin. You know, first round finish, armbar. Um, firstly, it didn't look like you got out of second gear in that fight. You looked incredibly relaxed. I don't think you were really tested. Um, would you rather a fight finish easily uh, probably that's probably the wrong word, but would you rather f- fight finish quickly where you haven't had reason or need to go up the gears or do you want to be tested? You want to be able to perform at your best ha- having gone up to the gears and fighting at, at the very best of your ability? Yeah, obviously I, I want to fight. If I've had multiple offers throughout the years for probably more money and less, talent, less talented fighters, do you know, like I've even... I've sort of turned one down there after that fight in Dublin that would have been very, very big money, like, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, com- especially compared to what I am on. But for me, it's 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 more about, like, give me, give me the toughest, toughest fights. Like, you know, I, I was on a two-fight losing streak going into that there fight. And uh, I was still asking for the toughest opponent possible. You know, the, the fella, the amount of pullouts, people turning that fight down against me, just people not want, want not wanting or willing to take the fight because yes, my record isn't isn't perfect by no means, but they're tough fights. Like you know, some of them fights I've lost, nine out of ten pro fighters wouldn't be taking them at that stage of their career. Do you mm-hmm. know, uh, but that's that's what I I like to challenge myself against against the best opponents possible. Like I I had a French lad turn down the fight. I think his record was maybe eight and two or six and two. He's either eight and two on a six fight win streak or six and two on maybe a four fight win streak, or you know, something something along them lines. And he had turned the fight down because he wanted an easier opponent. And I was thinking to myself, like, I've lost my last two fights. What what more do you want? Do you know? And uh, as I said, lucky enough, we just went through pillar to post. It was like, what about this fella? What about this one? What about this one? And I said yes to every one of them. And then uh, you'd wait, you wouldn't hear anything back, wouldn't hear anything back. Then you get a different name sent over or a different opponent sent over. Say yes again. At one stage, I actually said yes to fighting the wrong person. I got to sent me over a name and I watched, went to watch the fight on YouTube. Watched about 15 seconds of it and sent it back. Yeah, that's no problem. And I uh, was saying to myself, I wonder how he, he won that fight because he didn't. 
didn't really look to be winning. Don't look at the, the 15 or 20 seconds that I'd watched and went back and looked and it was the other person. So I was like, I thought it made more sense. And then he didn't take the fight until eventually uh, the last opponent did. You know, so mm -hmm. just take take what you can get at, at this stage. But with Bennett and Cage Warriors, you're not going to be given. I know that last fight looked easy as if it didn't get out of, out of second gear, but that could as easily. I I was the I was the underdog. I was the batting underdog going into that fight. Well, certainly uh, didn't. I, I watched it today. Um, you know, I was I was working on the evening of that fight, and uh, Kyle Smith, a friend of mine, um, he texted me said Decky's fight's coming up. So I was trying to figure out the time difference between yeah. here in Switzerland and and, and back home. Um, so I tried I tried to rush home in time to, to watch the fight, but. In the walk home from work, which was about 20 minutes, Kyle was giving me uh, a play-by-play. -play. You know, he's coming out now, he's making his entrance. Uh, right. Round one started, uh, and before I got through the front door, the fight was finished. Um, so, I, regrettably, I missed that fight, but I was quite quick the next day to, to watch the highlights because I've always followed your career. Um, yeah. you're, an, you're, you're an exciting fighter, um, you know, both stand-up and on the ground. Um, I know that you were the underdog from what you, from what you tell me, but by no means did you look at that. You were um, comfortable. On the back, you were the aggressor, constantly you know, trying to, to finish the fight. And on the feet, you looked strong with your leg kicks and, and stuff like that. It was uh, impressive to watch. So with, with your relationship with Cage Warriors, what, what's next? I mean, <coughs> how quickly do they want you to fight? Or do, do you determine when, when you want to fight next? Better both. If they if they come back to me, obviously, and offer me something straight away, then then I, I'd think about it. Or also the connection I have with the matchmaker. Start off, there was a very good friend of Damien's uh, in Ian Dean, mm -hmm. and then whenever whenever I get in, that's I get in through Damien with Ian, and then it's sort of then me and Ian's relationship sort of grown where me and him would be good friends now, so he'd look after me as well. Uh, pretty much now that we know all the dates uh it's back to where they've their year schedule at john because obviously coming out of COVID, they wouldn't really yeah. release too much uh then it's it's a, it's a mix of both if they give me something uh, happy days if not then i'll go looking and then they'll come back to me and agree to them the the date uh the only thing was i'd, I'd done damage serious damage to my knee training for the last fight uh in november time just to the Friday before the last year show and uh, I've only got the scan that they're on Saturday so I was looking to fight the 25th of July okay which isn't isn't going to happen now because of because of the injury so I'm going to take time let it heal and then go again in Dublin at the end of the year and it, it just makes sense for you know there's no point fighting a week or two before or after in mm. London or Manchester it makes sense to put me on the Dublin card so Okay. Um, having talked about the injury, um, your MMA career has not been without adversity and challenges. Um, you've probably not fought as much as you would have hoped or been as active every year that you would have hoped because of injury and things like that. How disheartening is, is those things and how frustrating is it for somebody with your ambition and drive to sit on the sidelines and, and watch others you know, fight? Uh, I wouldn't 
to be honest with you, you can you can look at it two ways. Like you can look at it like that as like a negative sort of thing, or you can look at like take the things from it. It builds you as a character. So like it mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't easy sitting back whenever everyone was fighting. I just made my pro career. I just turned pro. Sorry, absolutely shattered shattered my hand. Put myself out from every sixteen to eighteen months with injury. Uh, down to like how bad that my hand was broke. Told that maybe this was this was your career over, and blah blah blah. Just wasn't wasn't used to losing. Was on maybe three or four year win streak as an amateur. Like John, you know, to, to lose your pro career. This is what you everything had worked towards. Not only have you lost, you've you've now possibly ended your career with an injury, or you can just, as I said, I'm I'm mourned. Like it was like I mourned the loss of the fight. It wasn't. It wasn't a normal loss. My my first pro loss. It was mm. like a death in the family. Like so, it properly got to me. And then <clears throat> one of the days, it just flipped the switch, and I was like, Do you know something? Fuck it. This is meant to test me, John. You know, like I I'll do what's needed for me. And uh, I don't really care about anyone else. I don't. I'm not one of these ones that needs to see someone do well to make me do well, and I don't need to see someone do bad. That for me to for me to feel good about myself, like the time. The time, one of the biggest rivalries I've had with anyone was me and James Gallagher. Mm-hmm. It was like the proper, I, did, I didn't like him. Ball stop. John, you know, like an MMA fight hadn't, in my head, hadn't finished between me and hadn't finished the, the sort of disagreement between me and him. Like, you know, until he eventually said, you know, something like it doesn't really, it's not fair play to him for doing what he was doing. And then the second that it started, you know, something fair play to him. And fair play to the boys, it's good to see them doing it. Then that's whenever everything started to shift in my head. I did give myself a time limit, though, that if I hadn't fought by March, uh, the year that I, I did come back and fight, that that was me done. Uh, I wasn't going to, well, I couldn't do it to myself because I broke broke my hand two or three times just on the verge of getting the fight again. And then it would just go all off. And then I was out in the States and I got a text message from Sebastian, what's your weight? I told him my weight and he goes right dead on. I think I had a fight two weeks after I came home from America with Cage Warriors. I think I was taken over to lose. It was against one of the MMA clinic London boys. Uh, he was meant to be a striker and a wrestler. I was only meant to be a, a striker. You know, like one submission loss of your body can't beat me on the feet, he'll just take me down and beat me on the ground. You know, that sort of, I think that was the whole build up to that fight. And, uh, Took the fight and went over and spoiled the party and that sort of kick started my, my pro career then you know and as i said people were were texting and ringing and sending me clips of james getting knocked out and stuff like saying oh look happy days and that's not what you want to see it's another fella from ireland don't like, think of what you want from him i didn't i didn't i didn't do it so it doesn't uh saying someone else do it doesn't make me feel better you know if anything you want to see him the better he does the, the better it makes me look you know so mm-hmm. How much of a motivation is is it when, like like you just said, that you're being brought in to lose, essentially? You're brought in as the underdog to perhaps prop somebody else up. How much of an extra motivation is that to spoil the party, as you put it? Uh, to be honest with you, back then, it's only looking back on it <coughs> that I realised that because, like, I don't, I don't think I can lose a fight. You know, like mm-hmm. that's that that's why I'm so like confident in myself. That's why I want the toughest test. That's why I want these things because it doesn't it doesn't register to me that 
oh, you're going over here to lose. It didn't register to me. I thought it was great that I was the the underdog in the bookies then, no, because at least you get a few pounds then. Uh, yeah. This is worth it. Was wild the bet, like John. You know, so it, it doesn't. The day I think I realise that I'm going over as an underdog or think of myself as an underdog or whatever is dead. Not not bother putting my gloves on. Do you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I spoke to Damien. Uh, you know, as it relates to injury, and he had talked about he had surgery, and the yeah. doctors the doctors had. In, in all but told him that you really probably shouldn't fight anymore when he came away and, and said essentially who the fuck are they to tell me what I can and can't do um, so he had flipped that switch and taken a negative and used it as a positive which you can see in your mentality as well um, I want to talk about um, you know after you'd won in Dublin first of all again you had huge following I watched the highlights you know the camera scans the crowd and you can see the Nuri contingent yeah. Uh, when you had won that fight, you know you could see your, you know, jubilation. You know how happy you were. You jumped the cage and you ran straight to your wife. Um, I wanted to talk. How important has she been in all of this? Uh, she's like a massive support, you know. Uh, I think, I think half the best fighters in the world aren't fighting anymore because they don't have the support at home. John, mm-hmm. like I think it's it's a great. Uh, I think it's a good thing on paper that like don't be going out with a fighter or don't it don't might look good and, and like some people might like the sort of status of it until you realize that going out with a fighter or being married to a fighter or whatever is brutal don't like you we we've had our own house now we bought a house maybe five years ago six years ago <clears throat> and i would say if I've sat down, if I've been home to sit down with her 50 times for, for dinner in the evening, that's that's been the height of it. Like, John, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Like, how many times, like, from January, I started that fight camp and that and everything because it's going back to 66 in, in January, on the 2nd of January this year, and it didn't finish until the 29th of April this year. And from that time... Tell them to that in that that fight camp. Forget it. Forget about me. Like, John, don't be, don't be annoying me. Don't be asking me for anything. Don't be doing anything. And like, we have a three-year-old daughter, <clears throat> and Michaela like holds the fort. Obviously, now it's not that bad. Like, John, but if anything needs done, if if whatever else, if the child's not sleeping, if this isn't happening, if that's not happening, John, like, she'll she'll keep everything going. Like, John, and and without her, as I said, I wouldn't be wouldn't be I probably wouldn't even be fighting to be honest you'd probably be away on John I can fall into that old trend of just going out in the drink mm-hmm. uh, so I think that the vital to have to have sort of a good good woman behind you good support uh, that one I don't know where that came from that's probably one of the cheesiest things I've done though jumping the cage and straight to her I didn't even realise it, it had happened but we had uh, we had sacrificed a serious amount to get me there Do you know and then as I said, that's someone that sees it from first thing in the morning, the last thing at night that puts up with the mood swings. And uh, that last camp wasn't easy with, with injuries and everything. It just was not easy. And as I said before, I realised that's where I was, you know, so. I think, you know, with adrenaline and, and feeling, you know, the joy of winning, I think instinctively you, you've, yeah. gone and do, you've gone and done that. By no means is it cheesy. Um, you talked about your daughter. You've, you've become a father. You know, she's yeah. three now. 
How does that change your perspective? I mean, you know, in many ways, when fighters have a family, I think, you know, the outlook changes in, in that obviously you've a child to think about, you know, you're in a, you're in a dangerous sport. Um, or is it a balance of, you're obviously conscious of that and the impact that can have on your family if something were to happen, or it then in turn can be an additional motivation, extra fuel to, to fight. How's, how's it for you? I was never really a stupid fighter, if you get me. I, I've no, I haven't had to change my fighting style because I've had a daughter. I've said from I was 20, that 20, 21 years old, maybe younger, that uh, as a fighter, what I want to be, what the, the most important thing for me as a fighter is whenever it's all said and done and I'm 40, 50, 60 years of age, that I'm able to sit down with... I didn't know then whether it was my son or my daughter. I know now I can guarantee that I have a daughter. So, John, I know now that I can sit down with my daughter and hold a conversation. Don't worry, I'm not punch drunk. I'm not whatever. Yeah. It's not as if I've had to stop myself getting into wars and I've had to, John, like, try and rein in the punishment that I've been taking and stuff because I don't, that's not my fighting style. My, my fighting style is to go out and take you out before before you can get me. Like, John, I don't get paid anything for letting you get me. Mm -hmm. So, it's just. It's not that I've had to uh, change my fighting style, but it just sort of reinforced what you've been thinking the whole time, Jonic. And now it's not this, Jonic. If I have a child and I want to, Jonic, now it's like I have a child. Don't I have to make sure that, I, that I, I'm not doing this for fun? I'm not doing this for whatever else. Now this is my job. Uh, get in, get out, and, and try not to, to pick up any, any injuries, like for talk's sake. If it had been my pro debut, where I was in and out of a cast for 16 to 18 months, changing nappies wouldn't have been easy. You know, looking mm -hmm. after your child, picking your child up, doing whatever else. So now it's in my best interest to, to, to make sure and reinforce everything that I've, that I've always said and that I've always thought of as a fighter. Mm -hmm. I, was, I also wanted to talk about that, intro, or I guess your introduction, your walkout in Dublin, you know, um, Firstly, it was immense to watch. Had you fought in the tree arena before? And is there added pressure fighting in front of a home crowd because maybe you want to put on, you know, an outstanding performance? Uh, the the added pressure from fighting in the three arena was, uh, I think I'm the first team Torres fighter to win there. Okay. Uh, so, and Marching had just been beat before me. Uh, but something was different John, like, there's times you get where you just think you can't lose and that was like <clears throat> the injury I had uh, my knee was coming in and out of place throughout fight camp Okay. Uh, so I with all the visualisation and everything else I had visualised visualized as far as me being put like being put to the ground because my leg has come out of place like it happened in training for the fight but still being able to win it. John, like there was no losing, just wasn't something that was coming across my head. John, so there was no there was no pressure for me in front of the crowd or anything. It was just losing wasn't I can honestly say it didn't cross my mind. It wasn't an option for that fight. And it's been that's the way I used to fight. That's the way I was for a long, long time and I sort of lost it. Uh and that was the first time that I truly believe no matter who you put in front of, I had a terrible performance 
the mistakes that I made throughout that fight. But I would, as I said, there was no way. <clears throat> I think another reason why I went straight to the wife, straight to Michaela, was because the the message that I had on my phone was what you were doing it for. And yeah. it was the bus, you know, so it could be a case of you know, like that might be subconsciously what was in your head. That's what could have led to that, you know, like, but uh, honestly, with the sacrifices that was made for that fight camp, I was not losing, especially like going back to 66 and everything, you know, like it was a stressful time, struggle, but it was worth every bit of it. And what are those experiences like? I mean, you've fought in smaller promotions and, you know, in hotel suites and sports centers, you know, with Clan Wars and Cage Legacy. But to go to somewhere like the Three Arena, huge crowd, you know, TV production, does that um, give you a taste for wanting to perform more and more on huge platforms like that? That was the first time where I was where I deserved to be. John, like I've okay. obviously fought in the O2 over in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not a hometown for me. That's not, you know, like that's nothing. I never grown up and never won the fight in the O2. Uh, fighting in the three arena is something that was deserved. John, like that was something as an Irish MMA fighter. That's sort of like that's the that's the Crow Park. John, like mm-hmm. yeah. And for me, I wasn't just handed to, handed it because of the club I came from. I wasn't just handed the main event slot because of who I am. John, like every part of that. The build up to that whole thing, I was there because I earned to be there. John, there was nothing, nothing was given to me. That was hard work and years and years of training and fighting and being, John, like showing up and just getting the job done that got me, that gave me that opportunity. And that was something that I was saying to Marching the whole way through. Like, we're here as underdogs because he was the underdog in his fight. This is for us, though. This is our time to shine. We've earned this. We've done it the hard way. And it's time to take what's ours. So I think with that, the pressure just properly flipped on me whenever Marching did lose. And <clears throat> it was a, like the job that we done from there. We were, I told the boys going back to the change room what way we were going to be in the change room and what we have to do, and we got it done. You know, some people might have crumbled, you might call it pressure, but it was... I told myself leaving the house on Sunday morning, Saturday morning, no one's going to gun to my head. I ain't getting to go to the three arena today to perform. John, like, I don't have to do it. I could yeah. Happily, come on, I'm only in Ireland. I don't have to even try and get a flight home or not. Come on up the road here. I don't have to do it. This is a lifetime of work. It's finally starting to come to where I should be. Yeah. Um, Damien Rooney was always talked about and always on the periphery in so much as that he was close to maybe make it into the UFC. I talked to Damon and I asked him what was his measure of success? Was the UFC kind of, would that in your mind, having got there be ultimately the success that you were looking for? And he said in, in essence that it was, having fallen short of that, maybe he wasn't as successful as he hoped. <coughs> in terms of your progression and, and how you measure success, is, is the UFC where, where you hope to go? It was, but realistically, at my age, with the couple of losses that have dropped, the way my record sitting, like the UFC is probably not an option anymore. So it's it's in my interest now to make the biggest name for myself as possible in the coming years and make as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if something happened, 
next weekend I had to be in Vegas to take a UFC fight, <coughs> I'd be there. But really and truthfully, at this stage, being 31, being what eight five eight wins, five losses, and a draw, that's not it's not the sort of the people the UFC be looking at, which is unfortunate because I've seen like there's people in the rankings ranked above me. I actually was checking this the other day. There's a fella that's five and zero, oh, and I don't think he's fought anyone with a winning record. Mm-hmm. And there's only one fighter on my record that has a losing record, and that was because he was taken in on like three days' notice, and he was coming off a knockout, so he wasn't a dud either. Do you know? Yeah. So it's it's one of them things. Look. There's fights that I shouldn't have took and losses that I shouldn't have had that have probably screwed me over. But would I rather be sitting on the verge of going to the UFC with a fake record? No, I'm happy before I am. It's a it's an honest, hard-working career that I've put in. It hasn't been padded, it hasn't been given to me. You know, there's been things that have been unlucky, but I'm also, I could be in a worse situation, you know? I mean, you talk about your record. I looked at it before I, I, I came on to talk to you. Um, again, uh, you know, whilst it's eight wins, five losses, I don't think it, it's a true representation of you because, like you said earlier, there's fighters that still essentially refuse to fight you, um, which I think speaks to the standard that you're at. Um, I'm certainly by, at 31, by no means do I think you're at an age where you can't compete at that level. I mean, the UFC, I've seen recently that they're, they're hoping to return to Dublin. Um, just out of interest, I mean, this is something I probably should have asked Damien because he had said that, you know, he wasn't too far away from perhaps getting the call to the UFC. How much are you aware or are you made aware by, you know, whether it be promoters, um, you know, do they create a clear pathway for you? Say, listen, come with us, you know, two, three fights and then we'll sell you to the UFC. You know, is that something that Ian Dean would talk to you about or those are conversations that you're not privy to? No, they don't really have them conversations. It's uh, more a case of, you know, with cage warriors, you know what to do. You get the cage warriors belt. Uh, ideally, what would have happened is the first fight I took back at cage warriors whenever I was five and one against a fellow with near 20 professional fights, maybe three quarters of his record was like a three quarter winning record, like John, where he's maybe. 13 or 14 wins, 12 or 13 wins, whatever it is, and four or five losses. Uh, the goal was fight him, beat him, one more fight, and then the title fight. And it didn't pan out. John, like, I could have went the easier route and went maybe three or four fights, building myself up to then get the title fight. But we took a risk and it didn't reward, It didn't didn't pay off. We got no reward. But <clears throat> would I go back and change it? No. I should. Yes, I should. You know, like I, I maybe, but do I think I was outclassed in the fight? No. Do I think I shouldn't? I couldn't have beat him in the fight. No. Do I think it was just his night where he a better game plan? He planned to fight me, whereas I just thought I was going to finish him. Mm-hmm. So his game plan won him the fight, and the more experienced won. So, uh, instead of not to take away from that, I do it all the exact same way again. Yeah, I mean, Damien was much the same. Um, I think you could have taken a different route, um, but. At the end of the day, you have to be honest with yourself and look at yourself in the mirror. And knowing you for who you are, I don't think you c- could do that comfortably, knowing that you've <coughs> perhaps taken an easier pathway. You know, you've always wanted the tougher fights and respect 
respect to you for that. I wanted to understand also um, how much value can be found in a loss. Like, you know, very often when a loss is seen as, as, as an implicitly negative thing, but surely there's, there's something to be taken from a loss that can help improve you. Uh, Have you found that? <clears throat> Not really. No. Uh, that's. I do think that if you're bluffing and if you're hiding and if you have a team full of yes men, then there's plenty to be taken from, from losses. But whenever you have a team that's like out for your best interest and you take a 50-50 fight and lose, sometimes it there's as much to be taken from that as a win. There's John, like there's same with the wins. If they're 50, 50, John, like I, I found I've taken as much winning as I have losing. John, like mm-hmm. I, I, at the end of the day, my, like my circle is small enough. Uh, anyone that does actually care about me, doesn't think any more, or any less of me from a win or a loss. John, like at the end of the day, things go back to normal on a Monday morning. You're back in the gym. Uh, after that last fight, as you said, the massive, massive, like opportunity for both me and Marching, both me and Marching got treated the exact same way in the gym on Monday, and that's the way it should be. You know, like at the end of the day, it doesn't doesn't make us anything. So, if you have a load of fake people around you, yes, you learn a lot from a loss because then you realise then people aren't actually out for your best interests. But whenever, as you said, you know the gym, it's like a no nonsense gym, so you don't really. Don't really learn too much like the there's the odd thing like maybe you might need to work on this or you might need to work on that but not out of the ordinary like also um i wanted to talk talk about you and your personality after a loss how much headspace does a loss consume for you and how and at what point generally you know haven't you know developed over the years have you learned to, to let that loss go? I mean, how, how long does it stick with you? Loss? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to go away. You know, like the, the dons are still, like, I'd, I'd, I'd be able to tell you more of the names. I'd be able to tell you, I know there's there's obviously more wins than losses, but I'd be able to tell you every person that uh, has beat me. I wouldn't be able to tell you every person that I've beat. That's, that, that, that's, Surprising and also not surprising. Uh, I went for a walk before I came on here. I wanted to kind of get the questions and that clear in my head. And I came to the understanding, you know, I wanted to ask you in terms of both winning and losing, which of those two things has greater longevity with a fighter? You know, when it's all said and done and you hang up the gloves, which sticks with you longer? Those incredible experiences where you've won and it's been a reward for all your hard work, are those losses that you've suffered. What do, what do you think about that? Which of the two do you think stays with the, a fighter longer? I uh, I don't look as if, like, see, throughout my career that I've had any success yet. I haven't scratched the surface of where I want to be or where I think I could be. So I have had absolutely no time for celebration to celebrate any one of the wins. Therefore, I'm hoping that whenever my career's over, that I can look back and not be as critical. John, like as I said, you, you were talking about how it looked as if I hadn't got out of second gear and it looked as if I just couldn't lose. And I was thinking of the mistakes that I made in the fight and what happened. John, like, 
Mm-hmm. Two completely different ways of looking at that. Uh, working with the sports psychologist, uh, we had I had to learn how to start celebrating wins rather than John, like, as I said, like being devastated with losses. Uh, so working with him, I didn't actually watch. Only seen the clip of the finish because it obviously went everywhere. But uh, I refused to watch the fight back until the following week because I knew as soon as the fight was watched back, that's whenever I start getting critical. That's whenever the whole atmosphere, the whole night gets ruined by by the stupid mistakes that were made. So, uh, as I said, I'm hoping that the losses stay with me up until the end of my career. And then after that, we can look back at what was done and then, like, you know, something that was, it was good. You were able to do this here and, you know, like, and you got this and you got that. You were able to do this. And you can pat yourself on your back. You can pat yourself on the back and look and be like, them night you won the three arena, you know, or that night you won here and that night you won there, rather than uh, being so critical of, of everything. But also, okay. if you kind of sit and pat yourself on the back, you're not going to get any better. Do you think that's a fighter's mentality? Or do you think that's that's your mentality? You think that's to be said of other fighters, they think the same way? I don't know. That's that's my mentality. I, I from from a young age, that's that's the way it's always been. I'd say if you were to ask Damien Rooney, you probably wouldn't get much more like much less of a different answer. John like his would probably be identically the same. Uh but that's that's me, that's that's what way I think about it. Uh, and it mightn't work for others, but it works for me. Yeah, Damien was much the same. He was incredibly, um, I think, harsh on himself. And, you know, uh, Kyle, he, my friend, uh, you know, he watched it also and, and felt it again that Damien was being incredibly unfair on himself. Um, but again, the, 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 also the expectations that we have for ourselves. Yeah. We didn't get, you know, you don't get to where you want to be. I know what you've done is brilliant. But like you've seen Demo even with the pull-ups, you know what what he's done is ridiculous. But he hasn't got over the line yet, so it's not it's not good enough, you know. Which it's one of them things. Like I I'd say I talked to Demo after doing the pull-ups, and I've had to talk to him with like a reasonable head in my shoulders and like look at what you've done and whatever else. And he just looks back at you and says, "But I didn't get the job done. You can't really." He goes, "You know yourself, and you can't really argue with him, like, you know, because." You're trying yeah. to say the same things. You're trying to tell him the truth, but on the other hand, if you know the other end of the the scale, that if I was sitting in that position, I wouldn't be happy either. Like, so let's go back to Cage Warriors. I just want to understand: um, Do you see a path to to a title or title yep. fight at least? Yep. Uh, and in your mind, that's a realistic expectation. You you can become is it, the featherweight champion at Cage Warriors. That's something that's very much an ambition for you. Yeah, there's no reason why he can't become the featherweight and lightweight champion. Yeah. Um, and not not to try and put a timeline on it, but I'm sure you've thought about if there's a path to this, this is when I'd hope to achieve it by. End of next year. Okay. One other thing I wanted to ask, and I want you to finish this sentence, if you will, and I don't know that you will because you, you're, st- you're still fighting, but if I were to say... I won't be happy until. What what would that be? In terms of your fighting career. Uh, I'll not be happy until everyone, until people are sort of. Are we, what, hmm. 
I think a lot better word this. Do you think the title at, at Featherweight and Lightweight, you could uh, say at that point, I'm happy with what I've achieved? Uh, no, no, that would be that would be the end of next year. It wouldn't be wouldn't be enough. Okay. Uh, so what what remains after that? Build, defend the belt. You're not a champion until you defend the belt. Uh, build something that people actually don't like. They want to go and see you fight. They like to go and see you fight. You know that if you're on that card, like fuck, don't like. Hmm. Even if you're not the biggest name on the card, that oh, this has been under the radar. Can't wait to see him. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the sort of way I want my fight career to, to go. Like you know. Yeah, I mean, I think you're already there. You're an ex you're an exceptional fighter and. Um, you're an exciting fighter, you know. Um, as I said before, whether it be on the ground, you know, Team Torres, it's not surprising the standard of uh, jujitsu that, that you guys have, and you know, coming from a karate background and and the time that you dedicate to boxing, again, it's no surprise that um, you're same as Tyson boxing as well. Sorry, like that's oh, one, one Sean person. as well. Yeah, Sean, I, I always hound him, so I can like, never always sort of wind him up with different things but he is he's one that has sort of slipped under the radar the years that sean's put in even in the past maybe from a fought adam bentry as well having yannick to help me as well you know, like the sean was there obviously this years and years yannick's been there this years and years with my dad as well but from covid's kicked in yannick's come on as well to, to give me a hand with pad work and stuff each week but Sean's a man that never gets the credit he deserves. Yeah, um, like I said in the beginning, I listed you know the four of them, and I understand having sort of intimate knowledge how important those kind of coaches are to you um, as a fighter, offering guidance and and offering their knowledge. Um, I wanted to move on because you know we've talked about it. You've you've made it clear that like people before you that you want to give back, you know. Um, I understand that you're coaching MMA as well as being an active fighter. You've also started your own MMA promotion in, in your fighting championship. What was the genesis of that? Where did that come from? Uh, whenever Damien moved on to Cage Warriors, I'd left the whole, I was meant to fight on the on the show in the sports centre with Damien whenever he fought Philpott. Okay. And I got injured and wasn't able to fight. And that was my last opportunity to fight in Yuri. Uh, it's always, always been something that I said, like, I was like, I'll get a show back to Yuri. That was my, my first goal in MMA, was to get a show back to Yuri. And I managed to, whenever my, I got sort of screwed over down in Cork with Cage Legacy, with the opponent having no visa and stuff, and the fight falling through on like 24 hours notice or whatever, or 48 hours notice, sorry. So I had said, look, uh, they said we owe you this and blah 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 and I said right look put a show on in Yuri and I'll sell the show out and then that'll be us even and uh, that was my first goal was to get a show back in the town so we came back and I had my my third my fourth professional fight against Adam Gustav in the canal court and there was a list of fighters below me from the clubs that got the fight in the court obviously with it being a home home show Mm -hmm. that had sort of started like I think I could do this you know, like I, I'd probably be able to put a show on here but I had no need because I was still fighting locally and that was what was taking the show back and then with that 
Damien had said he wanted one more fight, so we had talked <coughs> the cage legacy ones into coming back. It's planted the seed in our head. You imagine, like, you could have me who who sold the uh, 250, 350 tickets, whatever it was, and you could have him, one of the biggest names in, in Irish MMA, join uh, whenever it was starting off, and blah, 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 and he's done this and he's done that, and he's been here and he's been there. Like, he, you could have him on the same card as well. If he's went to the sports centre, the two of us would, would sell the place out. So we managed to talk them into that. And uh, the way the whole thing was run and everything, and then I had obviously then drifted off with Cage Warriors, and then that was that would have been the end of it for the likes of Rory and Oshin and everyone. You know, that would have been until the next big one came through, the big tickets at her from the town. No shows would have come back for them. So you're back to having to earn your stripes in different shows that John travel and try and build your support while having to travel the country. So I uh, my thing was to have a platform back for them in the town. And not only for them, for what, what had happened, the way the show was set up, it ended up... I started the show just before COVID. COVID shut the show down. And mm. then the support trying to run like shows behind closed doors and with like 50 people in the crowd, but still having the full price, the full expense to cover. Yeah. Uh, the support from clubs that it got throughout the country. It's, the show has now turned into like a, f- a fair show where it's out to like if you help us, you help me, sorry, with the show, I'll help you with, with giving you uh, fights. And I don't mean help you in giving you a boy that's 5-0. and oh. Uh, a, a boy that has no wins and five losses. I mean, having is, and if your boy's five and over, get you someone that suits that caliber of opponent, John. If you're a, if you come from a respected gym and you're willing to take fair fights, that's what that's where the show comes from. And the same as sort of the whole way throughout my career, the show's been built the same as my career, John. Like I wouldn't put a fight on it that I wouldn't have taken myself from either end. Whether whether you've lost all your fights. We'll still give you a fight. We're not just because you've lost all your fights and you're a brilliant fighter, doesn't mean you're you're going to get an easy fight next. You're going to get an off fight that's going to test you, John. And one of the days you will win one, of them. and it's only it's only you learn more from them fights than if it was a dud. Do not sort of way. like so. It, it is it is what it is. Now. And how difficult because you know I think. Many moons ago, there was a, a promotion locally, Ultimate Conflict. Um, it obviously um, ended at some point, but then there was nothing. And so there, there was essentially no blueprint for you to, to start your own fight promotion. I mean, you, you've obviously been around the fight game long enough that you probably understand an aspect of how to promote, how to match make. But like logistically, how difficult was it for you to pull all of that together? Um. As I said, it wasn't the first one was was easy. Book the canal court, do whatever, sell the tickets, the show will sell itself. And then COVID hit and shut the whole show down and just put everything up the left. And we didn't know then at what extreme we didn't know what COVID was. We didn't expect it to have happened what happened. Uh, and then ended up whenever we were allowed, I booked the show, it turned into a nightmare then because the morning of the show I was down a couple of thousand pounds, uh, having to pay all the expenses for the show and uh, not having the money in. And then 
about halfway through the show or a quarter way through the show, Andrew came up looking my credit card to uh, to extend the pay per view. And whenever the, whenever he came up for that, the only way that would have happened is if the show was now running at a profit, where the pay per views had so like that. I just threw my phone away and goes, "That's me done with it. I'm going to enjoy the day. We we'll put it all together. We're going to have to spend the money anyway." make the most of it and worry about the rest after and then uh, I said whenever he came up and asked for McCord to uh, extend the pay-per-view I knew then the show was a success and it wasn't wasn't massive but it was enough to put into the next one and then I knew obviously coming in the morning of the next show that we're going to be down the morning of but hopefully we should join like run out of profit again same thing happened again put into the next show uh, got a load of belts then put the money in bought a load of belts but the next one, two shows in the canal court, we've bought our own cage now. You know, so like it's just, it's not easy, but it's it's not as hard as it's made out to be. And ultimate conflict back then, no one really knew what MMA was. John, like even if you're not, if you're not an MMA fan, you probably know your mate that's fighting or your mate's mate's fighting, or John, like you, you might. You, you could just, you might know anyone that's fighting, you might just want to go and see it because it's in the time zone. So it is, uh, the market for it now is an awful lot better than it was back then. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, you know, I think it's fair to say that martial arts is a huge part of your life. Um, it's probably a labor of love, as difficult as it might be to be an active fighter, hold a job um, as a PT, be a father and a husband, but to also um, run your own fighting promotion um i think you enjoy it is that fair to say yeah well <clears throat> as i said i've worked on i've worked on building sites before i've labored worked in car garages it's an awful lot easier than doing that like you know it's it's getting to do something you enjoy you're getting up you're never i know you give off the gym does be freezing or the gym does be roasting you're not mm. outside and in the elements john like it's an awful lot easier and there's an awful lot harder work to be done and it's something that I enjoy doing, and you get I get a lot of credit for it. So I may as well. Is it, about it? It's obviously wonderful for people from Uri. You know, it's a local promotion showcasing local talent. But is you know, is it a platform for you know young athletes from all of Ireland to come and and showcase their skills and be able to compete? Yeah, definitely. Like as I said, there's there's people from Cork, people from Derry people from Dublin, Belfast, everywhere. So like all the all the major shows or all the major clubs are on the card. Like you know, from Team Torres, the Fight Academy Ireland, the Paddy Hulens Gym, the SBG, the Team KF, all the all the, the top gyms are there. Uh, like you come in and then people people that I would give tickets to John, like people maybe like sponsors of mine or whatever else and you'd say like I never there's your man from from the, that fought in the UFC, or there's your boy from this, or there's your boy from that, and it's like, yeah, like this is trying to. It's not, uh, it's not just a Nuri versus whoever. Johnic, we're we're built. As I said, <clears throat> someone helped me uh, match marching uh, a while back. Fat Alexander Yankov stepped in on late notice and moved up a weight class and was very easy to deal with. We're doing very well in the fight, and then got caught in the third round and got submitted. So we'd said. Look, we'll help now. We'll get you not easy fights, but we'll build you up, give you tough fights, each one a wee bit harder than the last because you helped us, so we'll help you now. He's fighting for the title in two weeks. 
John, a guy could easily just said, cheers, paid him what he was paid for fighting watching. See you later. Don't need you no more. But um, the way the show is, the show is run for, for Irish MMA, to help grow Irish MMA. Yeah, I think it's commendable. I mean, it, it's brave in so much as that you've gone and done something that I guess there was no blueprint in order to create your own promotion. You're also, I guess, the owner and, and the the, uh, the matchmaker. So it is commendable. Fair play. It, it's a it's a bold move. It's obviously paid off. Um, when's the next the next show? When can we expect that? Uh, two weeks, the twenty fifth of June. So okay. uh, that'll be the next one. Okay. So a couple of things just before we finish up. I want to talk about your parents and. I guess the sacrifices, because we all understand that parents make sacrifices in order to allow their kids to be involved in, you know, sports, drama, whatever it might be. How much um, sacrifice, and if you want to speak about the importance of the role they've played in supporting you um, and continue to do so, because I know your mum, I don't know her personally, but I know she's your biggest fan. I mean, I posted yesterday that I was going to speak to you today, and she, I, I think within 15 minutes, I get a message to say that Anne McAleenan followed you, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Talk to me about your parents and the role they play. Yeah, no, she she is, she's brutal. Like, she she tells me half the time that my fights are released before I've seen that they're released. Like, you know, uh, as I said, like, they, if, it, if it wasn't one of them, it was both of them driving me to Dublin without, without a complaint, without nothing. Do you know, like, uh, all they ever wanted to do was see you do well, whether it been like, as I said, I traveled the world with karate. Let's say 90% of it, 95% of it was paid by, by my parents. The first time I ever represented Ireland, they bought me my Ireland tracksuit. You weren't gave, you weren't even given a tracksuit. So that's how little funded we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I remember driving to, to Dublin, texting to see who was training in Dublin that night. And whenever the numbers weren't good, uh, told my dad, we split and went to Meath to train in Meath because there was more people there. Uh, they built me a shed out the back with punch bags, everything in it that I could, could train. I didn't have to go anywhere to train. Uh, Daphne wouldn't be without. I'd say without uh, someone to look up to, say as much as my dad, uh, that, that would be a big factor in it. Like John, even having that sort of respect for someone, you know, they're a bit older. Mm-hmm. Uh, is something that has sort of helped me an awful lot anyway. You know, having that someone to answer to is uh, is something that sort of helped me a lot throughout my career. Uh, having someone that, if you need a slap in the back of the head because you've done terrible and won the competition, you know, pat you on the back, you know, hit you the slap and tell you that you were shite, that the people you were fighting just weren't good, or being put out in the first round of something just by a better opponent. Whenever you've done everything right, you just weren't good enough. He put his arm around you and tell you, look, going like back to the drawing board and we'll get this here done. I think that's without them too, that, that's another don't like that's sort of the, the building blocks to my career was started with them. Like Yeah. I think I mean what you still have to achieve or will achieve remains to be seen. You are an exciting fighter. Um I mean I'm always keeping a finger on the pulse, you know, as it relates to your fighting career. Uh I'm excited to see when you fight again. I think you're doing a wonderful thing in so much is that you've created an outlet for local talent and a platform to them for them to fight on and showcase their skills. I think it helps them 
build foundations for their future when they go on to compete. Uh, so all commendable things, and I'm not surprised that you're doing those things. You are humble, modest, uh, an exceptional talent, and uh, it's been a pleasure, pleasure talking to you today, Adeki. I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you, Damien. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for taking the time out of your day as well to have me here. No worries, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Adeki. All the best.